Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Utah Statesman Sports Desk Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Ballantyne. Joining me, as always, is Jacob Nielsen. Jacob, say hello. How's it going, people? How we doing? All right. Um, another huge week um, in Aggieland, in college football, and college sports land. So we have a lot to get to. It's going to be a fun show. Uh, we have um, some updates on Nemius Keda in Sacramento. We have an update on Sam Merrill, who is joining Grind City. Uh, we have an interview with Kyle Cephalo, the wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator of the Utah State Aggies football team. And fall camp started last week, and so we're in the middle of that. So we have a lot of college football to get to with kickoff just right around the corner. Uh, so let's just jump right in. Let's talk. Let's talk first about Sam Merrill, who's on the move. Was traded from the, or excuse me, NBA champion Sam Merrill. I've been, I've been. Got to use this proper title. I've, I've been in addressing him improperly this whole time. I feel really bad. Um, NBA champion Sam Merrill's on the move. He was traded from the Milwaukee Bucks to the Memphis Grizzlies for Grayson Allen, and uh, two picks were added to Sam Merrill. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? What did you think? I think it's uh, great for Merrill that, you know, he still got his contract and everything, and now he's on a team that is younger, and I think he might have a better chance of getting some playing time, right? Because the Bucks yeah. were loaded, you got Drew Holiday, and you got all these homies, and now so he's on a team that he's got Jean Moran and Dylan Brooks, and there's some fun young guys that he's going to be yeah. part of the team with, and with the trade of Grayson Allen, for him and I mean yeah you got two picks too it wasn't a straight up Merrill for Allen yeah but that clears up another guard spot and so hopefully he plays well in the summer league and in preseason and carves out a role for himself yeah yeah I think I think it's probably a better team for Sam like I think it's a better fit Um, it's a young team it's a playoff team so you know we could potentially see Sam Merrill win back-to-back NBA championships if John Morant can, <laughs> if John Morant can step it up, they also have Memphis Stephen Adams gonna now. Memphis is going to climb the ladder. <laughs> they they were okay. They were actually a really good team this year, and I think adding I don't think adding Sam Merrill is a huge difference maker, but I do think they whoa, are whoa, whoa, a team whoa. NBA champion. <laughs> NBA Sam champion Merrill Sam is Merrill. a huge difference maker. He is, <laughs> but I I do think Memphis is one of those teams that is poised to take a step forward. They have John Morant, who's going to be a lot better. Like Jaw is just unbelievable talent. Um, Dylan Brooks is pretty good like he's he's pretty great at basketball and then Steven Adams I think is an upgrade over Valanciunas so I, I think they're one of those teams that they were a playoff team last year I think they're going to be probably even better this year they're going to be playing in the west which is also tougher uh, the I think every team or most of the teams in the west got tougher but I think I think it's a great situation for Sam he's walking into a well-coached team with a young core where you know they need snipers and that's what he does so I think I think Sam it's a good fit for him I'm excited for him I was really worried for a minute that he was going to get waived because the day he was traded, it was like that day was the deadline. And so Memphis had until midnight to either waive him for 500,000 or re-sign him and guarantee him 1.5 million, right? Are those the numbers? Yeah, that sounds about right. And so there were a couple hours there where I was like, I was kind of worried he was going to get waived, but he wasn't. They picked up they picked up his contract, guaranteed him for one Didn't more be. year. So we'll see we'll see what happens. Let's move over to the other side of the country. I guess both are West Coast teams, Western Conference teams. The Sacramento Kings and their new social media golden boy, Aminius <laughs> Keita. It, it has been so fun to watch the the response to Aminius Keita. Um, just the the fan base, like it's just like trolls and like memists. And Memus. yeah, me, yeah, memers like people who meme on the internet. I don't know. Um, I think it's a lot of people from Portugal, probably some Utah State fans. But like, he has just the biggest hype club online, and it's so funny. Like every time the Sacramento Kings post, like you just see all these Nemius Kata memes in the comments, and, like in the mentions of like, it's like pictures of him. Like you've probably seen the meme of like him holding a W, and it's like then there's like this one that's like. This dorky picture has, has like the flag of Portugal and like five pictures of Nimi. It's like, <laughs> was that a mother effing Nimi as Kata reference? And there's like all these different memes floating around. And then my favorite one is like anytime, anytime the Kings post something that has nothing to do with Nimi as Kata, there's just all these like memes and like comments that just say no Nimi, no like. 
and it's my favorite thing ever. It's just so funny. Like, he has such a loyal fan base. It's awesome. Like, it's really funny. We're talking about a guy that might not even make the Kings roster in November, and he's become the heartthrob of yeah. of King's Twitter, right? It's probably not King's Twitter. It's Portuguese Twitter and Utah State Twitter. Yeah. But I think it's wearing off I on think, King's Twitter. I think it's got to be. Like, I think at first it was just, like, uh, you know, a lot of people from his home country of Portugal. Uh, as we've mentioned on the show, he's the first uh, NBA player from Portugal. So I think there was a lot of hype there. Uh, and then I think probably some Utah State fans as well that were kind of building the hype. But I think at this point it's caught on, and it's just become, like, a running meme within, like, NBA Twitter or Kings Twitter. Um, the Kings socials, like, props to them. Um, they've, like, started leaning into it, so they've reworded some of the memes and, <laughs> and posted them and stuff like that. So it's it's really funny. Everyone's having a lot of fun with Nimi. And that's kind of one of the things that, like, he's just such a likable guy. Like, that's one of the things that we, you know, in addition to his rebounding and his defense and his height, like, that's one of the things you can guarantee about Nimi as Keita is that everyone around him is going to like him. And everyone's going to have a good time around him. So it's funny to just see, like, this entire mob of people mobilized to just have a good time around Nimi Escada. It's really funny. Yeah. And he's been playing well in Summer League, which helps. Yeah. Right? yeah he's, had some, he's had some posters. He's been playing really well. I was actually able to um, get in contact with Matt George. Shout out to Matt George. Um, I just sent him an email. And to my surprise, he actually did get back to me. So... He's the, he's the host of the Locked On Kings podcast. He does a lot of uh, local Sacramento media. And, yeah, Matt George is my man. He's he's awesome. I actually have been listening to his podcast a lot. I'm trying to get in on, you know, I, because I'm a, I'm a Kings fan now, big-time Kings fan now. Um, so I've been listening to him a lot. He's awesome. And so I emailed him, and basically I was just uh, I was kind of asking him, what he thinks about uh, the future for Nemius Keita? Because there are so many centers now on that team. I mean... The Kings are, like, stacked with point guards and centers, which to me and my basketball analytical mind is, like, perfect. That's, like, exactly what I would want. Um, but I don't know if it's really going to work out the way they want it to, so there's probably going to be moves and stuff like that first. Um, so I did ask him about that, and he said, uh, he responded and said, the reality is Kata is behind Holmes, Thompson, Len, and even Jones right now. I doubt all four centers will be on the Kings come the start of the season. Kato will get a lot of time in the G League with Stockton, and if he succeeds, I think he can have a legitimate shot of making the roster next season. Um, if he really performs, he could crack the rotation this year, but he would have to be a rebounding and shot-blocking machine for that to happen. Um, and I got that, and first of all, that's a great insight coming from somebody who really knows the system over there. Um, but that last sentence is kind of what I latched onto and what I was thinking about, where, where Matt George says he needs to be a rebounding and shot-blocking machine. I'm like, dude, that's exactly what he is. <laughs> like, I watched this guy for three years. That is exactly what he is. So if that's all he needs to do to crack the rotation, I think there's a really good chance Nimi gets some time this year if that's all they're really relying on him to do. Um, plus, I think Kata does bring a lot more to the table. I think he brings a lot of scoring um, and other things. Plus, if he doesn't play, he's gonna have the Kings are going to have a lot of angry Twitter users. So there's that, to, there's that to keep in mind. Yeah, you don't want to mess with the Twitter mob. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't. Um, I, also, I also did bring up to Matt George in the email. Um, I asked him about the development in Sacramento. We talked a lot about, uh, talked about it on the show, about how uh, we really wanted Kata to go somewhere where he could develop as a young player. Um, and I expressed some concerns with that with Matt George. Um, and he said... Uh, he responded to that and said, You have a right to be concerned as the Kings developmental department has not been great in the past, especially with young bigs. But then he goes on and says, I know that is something they are really trying to improve on. So, I mean, that is one of the concerns. To have it validated by someone who knows so well kind of sucks. Like, I was really hoping... It makes me even like, more concerned. <laughs> it makes me more concerned. I was really hoping Matt George would be like, Oh, dude, don't worry about it. He's going to be... He'll be fine. He's in good hands. But to have him kind of acknowledge that was you know it is what it is we we knew that going in um they did just hire as one of their coaches uh doug christie he was on the radio broadcast for sacramento they just hired him as a coach and the idea behind that is that he's going to be a really really good player development coach so we'll see if that has anything you know if that has any benefit for Kata and a lot of those young guys i mean sacramento is a really young team and really they're a team that they can't afford not to invest in their young players because that's all they have so i think they're going to find a way to develop some of those young players because they have to so 
need well, these included. You know what they say, if you're great on the radio waves, it directly translates into fantastic player development skills. So, Yeah, that's what yeah. they say. I'm still waiting on a job to be offered to me on Coach Odom's staff. I think I could help a lot. We'll see if that happens. Yeah, keep us sending them the, the spam emails. I'll keep I know yeah. you're in the wee hours of the night. I, I still have eligibility to play, so really I'm hoping I can play, but if not, I'll settle for coaching. And we'll see, like, I, like I've mentioned last week, Nemia's kid might be moved, um, so we'll keep, we'll keep that information coming. But what else is going on, Jacob? Well, there's plenty going on. Um, some news from this morning. We're recording this Thursday morning. BYU, TDS, Team Down South, they just announced that they uh, have a deal with Built Bar, which is a protein bar company or something. And anyways, the owners are BYU people, and so they pretty much making a deal with every single one of the players on the team. Everyone's going to profit from Built Bar on the BYU football team, including the walk-ons. The walk-ons at BYU are now on full tuition scholarship, well, not technically, Yeah. But paid paid by paid by built bar yeah. third party will pay all the tuition for all the walk-ons. Yeah. So the thing is, if you are a walk-on at BYU, you aren't actually playing t- paying tuition anymore. Which I don't know if that has happened yet anywhere else in the country. It's probably hap- I think it might have happened at the University of Miami. But besides that, I haven't heard of anywhere else where that is the case. Yeah. And it's <clears> going to be a game changer on the recruiting scene. Yeah, it's it's definitely unheard of, at least in our realm of, you know, the Mountain West and the teams that we compete with. A huge bummer, honestly. Like that's a huge blow to not only Utah State, but really every team um, out west that BYU competes with on the on the recruiting trail, um, because BYU basically has the ability to every single football player on their team is now essentially on scholarship. Which is huge. So, uh, you know, if you have, you know, like you said, if you have a scholarship at BY or at Utah State or Boise State or Colorado State or New Mexico or anywhere else for that matter, and then you have a preferred walk-on spot at BYU, it's basically the same thing at this point. So that's that's a bummer, especially and yeah, taking it one step further. If if Utah State and BYU both offer you a walk-on spot, you're paying for school one way, you're not paying for school the other way. So huge bummer for utah state and really all the you know all the schools out west that compete with byu on the recruiting trail because uh, that does give them a pretty significant advantage well here's the reality is we knew when this was all happening that byu could profit off of nil better than most schools because it's the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints it's the flagship school for the for a major world religion and there's a lot of successful people that have gone through BYU and are willing to spend their cash and help this program and so it's great for them hopefully maybe it sets a precedent for some of the other boosters in Salt Lake for the U and some of the guys up in Logan like oh hey like we can do this um, there's been some concerns with oh we got to follow fair market value and this and that. The reality is the NCAA, their guidelines are extremely vague. They're not even enforced. There's no legislation in the state of Utah enforcing anything. And so they can get away with this and there's nobody stopping them. And I would argue giving walk-ons free tuition to sponsor Protein Bar probably isn't fair market value, but the reality is that that doesn't matter. No one's stopping them and they should be going after it. They should be getting the competitive edge. So kudos to BYU. That's cool what they're doing down there not great news for utah state they're gonna have to counter somehow they're not gonna be able to match that exactly but hopefully the the boosters up here realize like we might need to open our checkbooks slash guys that own companies logan based or guys that are from utah state they need to be like hey like we gotta step it up and help our boys here so yeah something to keep an eye out for to see if it impacts the recruiting field at all but yeah big news yeah yeah no that's a good point and like it it comes down to you know, as, as bad it is, as it is for Utah State athletics and some of the other schools, uh, it's good for the athletes down in Provo. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see really what the effects are here in the next couple seasons. But, you know, it's it's good for the athletes. It's good for BYU. Uh, so now we just have to hope that somebody in Logan and you know people in Salt Lake, Boise, San Diego can follow suit to kind of take away that advantage and level the playing field once again. So we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, so that's enough um, BYU talk for today. Let's talk about Utah State. 
Let's talk about fall camp. Jacob has a lot of great information. He's kind of the insider at the Statesman. He's the one with kind of all the information. So um, let's go over some some fall camp stuff. We had media day with uh, Coach Blake Anderson last week. We talked to some of the players. How are the boys looking? Um, I don't have a lot of information as to what's going on in there. So uh, how are the boys looking? Well, Parker, you and I, we had a wild media day last week, last okay. Thursday. <laughs> Busy. So pretty much. I had set up with media relations, hey, I want to do these interviews with these coaches, and then we're building a preview magazine for the football season at the Statesman. And so I wanted X amount of players, it was like 14 or 16 guys, to get their photos taken at midfield. And so I put in a photo request. Somewhere along the lines, I might have mistakenly asked for interview requests with these same 16 players. But anyways... After I'm done, I get out of the room interviewing Chucky Keaton, and I walk down to the back. I know I'm interviewing Shaq Bond. He's the one that I requested. I know I'm going to interview him, but there's like five players like chilling and waiting around for like an interview, and I didn't even know about this. So before you know it, we got, I think we interviewed 12 football players in a row, just consecutively, boom, boom, boom. They were like three-minute interviews each, and I wasn't prepared for them the players were super patient players were they were awesome. so great yeah and i think they were good interviews and we got a yeah. lot of great content but it was kind of crazy because we just we were winging it like like yeah. 12 straight players and we made it work and it was really valuable we have all yeah. these great thoughts and comments and interviews from people but it was a kind of a, a wild week it was it was crazy like it was it was really fun to just sit down and basically we were at a table and the players were coming to us and it was just they would sit down we would talk they would move on the next one was right there so it, it was like rapid fire a bunch of mini interviews and like i said the players were super patient with us because i wasn't as prepared and we kind of got thrown off a little bit but they were excellent interviews the players were really dialed in really tuned into what's going on they were they were fantastic they were super patient with us and they were just really on the ball they were awesome they were fantastic yeah so save on scarver Byron Vaughns, DHC, Cooper Maddox, Steven Stanley. Those are just a couple of guys. Shout-outs to you guys. Y'all were great. Y'all were patient. Y'all answered our questions. So appreciate that. Going to help us have some great content in the Utah State Preview Magazine at the Statesman. But anyways, that media day was last Thursday. Fall camp started on Friday. They went Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. They had a break yesterday, and then they were back at it today. And it's been uh, it's been quite the fall camp, Parker. There've been uh, there's a lot of position battles that we knew coming into it because there's such an influx of transfers, and when there's a new coaching staff, to them everybody's new. There's nobody that has a built-in position, right? And so everybody kind of like every spot's on the line pretty much, and they've been playing like it. There've been a lot of positional battles, and a fight broke out um, between. Well, it, if you've listened this far in the podcast, you're going to get rewarded by hearing who the fight was in between. <laughs> it was John Gentry and A.J. Vombachon. Those two went at it. Both guys are ballers, competitors. John Gentry has looked fantastic from what I've heard in fall camp this year. He's been taking the reps with the ones. John Gentry, sophomore John Gentry out of Houston over DHC and Calvin Tyler, which is notable. But yeah, him and A.J. Vombachon went at it. I believe on Monday, so you know I love that's, it. That's a good way to kick off fall camp. Yeah, like you got you got to get a you got to get a, that's a, good a fight in there. And well, you'd rather fight now than fight after week five. Let's fight now. Let's get it out now. That's a good way to start off fall camp. That's perfectly fine. That's not like that's not a bad thing at all. Yeah, if any bad blood or just flared tensions, like let it all out now, so we're all homies by the time the season starts. Yeah, and you got to understand, like these are the most competitive dudes on campus and you're putting them on a field together and making them run around in the hot sun. They're, they're beating the they're, crap out of each yeah, other every they're, day. They're going to fight a little bit. Yeah. So that's, that happens. Yeah. Yeah. So another thing is I've heard a couple, nothing officially reported, but a couple of individuals have gotten injured. And so that's something we're going to keep an eye out for on the, the public scrimmage on Saturday. We'll keep an eye out for who is going to be in uniform. Is anyone notable going to be missing? Someone I've heard of might have gotten a little banged up. Cash Gilliam and Calvin Tyler Jr., the running back transfer from Oregon State. So that's Tyler Jr. And then Cash Gilliam, who is the linebacker, and he's going to play the striker position yeah. for Ephraim Banda's defense this year. So they just got a little banged up. I don't know the degree to that. They might be fine and ready to roll. 
on Saturday for the scrimmage, they might be out. So that's something to keep an eye out for as well. Yeah, and they're they're both like key players. It'd be, you know, hopefully they're they're gonna be fine. And that's just part of fall camp. I mean, the whole point is just to beat up on each other, and the coaches are there beating up on the players. Like they're gonna get banged up a little bit. Uh, so hopefully it's nothing serious. Hopefully nothing torn or anything like that. But uh, you're gonna have players that get banged up during fall camp. That's part of it. Yeah. So yeah, that's reality. Lake Anderson, he wasn't shy to saying, like, hey, this is going to be different than any fall camp that y'all have had under Gary Anderson. Like, we're going to push you to the limit, and we're going to make boys into men. And so that's what is happening. Some of the other notable things, some of the position groups that have stood out, I've heard a lot about the defensive line from a couple of different sources. People have told me the defensive line looks really good, and obviously that's with Byron Bonds and Nick Henniger and Marcus Moore and all those guys. And so that's such a beast of a lineup. Yeah, absolutely. And so Anderson mentioned he's concerned about the depth at the defensive line, but so far they have performed really well. And it's, you might think, is it maybe because the offensive line isn't as good? And so the defensive line just looks really good against the offensive line. And those are questions that like, we're not totally going to be able to answer until we'll, we'll we actually play. We're, we're going to find out yeah, we'll find September out in, 4th. In Wazoo for sure. But there's enough experience and talent on the offensive line that they wouldn't just get thrown around like ragdolls. Not that that's what's happening right now, but they wouldn't be getting physically dominated by just anybody. Right? Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's a single position group on this roster that really is not good, you know, that's going to get pushed around or that's, you know, lacking that significantly so I do think if you have one position group like the defensive line shining that well I think it's probably because they're good rather than the offensive line being bad yeah no yeah hopefully that's the case that's what you always hope for in fall camp it's kind of that chicken or the egg thing like is the offense doing great because the defense sucks or they're really good or is the defense stopping them a ton because they're really good or because the offense sucks right yeah you don't really know until you play somebody else completely Mm -hmm. um some of the key positional battles a guy that I'm hearing a lot about, and Anderson even mentioned him in a press release, Hunter Reynolds, the transfer from Michigan over on the cornerback. He's really played well in fall camp. So expect him to, he might be the starter over a Cam Lampkin come fall. So keep an eye out for him. Um, I mentioned John Gentry. He's had a really great camp. Obviously the battle that everyone's keeping their eye out for is the quarterback position, Logan Bonner and Andrew Peasley. It's been an interesting camp. Andrew Peasley started out getting the first team reps, and Logan Bonner was getting the second team reps, but now it's kind of balanced out. And I think some of that was Logan Bonner is kind of working into it because he was injured, and so he's kind of getting back to the rhythm of things. And from everything I've heard, they've both been playing well. They've yeah. both made mistakes. They've both thrown crappy interceptions, but they've both been pr- proven that like they're capable of getting the job done. I will say I think Logan Bonner has the advantage. One, he has the inherited advantage, even if you won't hear it from the coaching staff or from anybody. The fact that he was the starter at Arkansas State the past two years and was brought in by Blake Anderson, he would have to either play really poorly or Andrew Peasley would have to significantly be better than him for him to not get the edge, in my opinion, right? But it sounds to me like Logan Bonner does have the edge. We'll get to see him in person on Saturday at the camp. So, But it's, it's a good competition so far. Yeah, it does sound like it's probably leaning towards Bonner. My gut says it's probably Bonner. Um, I am surprised at how quickly those two uh, rose to the top of that. I, I thought Cooper Legault, I'm pretty high on Cooper. I thought Cooper Legault would have been more in that conversation. Um, not as the starter, but I thought he would have been there as more of a, uh, uh, a second-string guy. So I'm kind of surprised that they've been able to separate themselves, which is which is really good for the program. Obviously, it's really good to have um, battles there at the top. So it does sound like it'll probably be Bonner as the number one, with Peasley as the clear number two, and then Cooper and everybody else kind of after that. But it is a good battle to have. And it does sound like we were just saying, like there's battles at every single position. On this team, everybody's new to the coaching staff. So, you know, yeah, Logan Bonner came in with some of the coaches, including head coach Blake Anderson, but he's also working with a completely different receiving core and things like that. They brought some receivers, but um, it's a brand new team. It's got a little bit of Arkansas State. It's got a little bit of what Utah State was last year. And then it's got some Got a little bit of Oregon State, Michigan, Texas. It's got a little bit of everything, so it's brand new. There's going to be a lot of battles, and 
Uh, one thing that Coach Anderson did say in the press conference is, like, somebody brought up and asked him about, like, the depth chart, and he, he like, shrugged. He, like, physically shrugged. He's, like, kind of shook his head. He's, like, no, depth charts are for y'all, <laughs> not for us. Like, he, he's, like, we don't do depth charts. That's a media thing. And so I think some of these battles that we're seeing play out in fall camp and in the first couple weeks of the season, like those are continuing battles. It's not just like, okay, here's our starters, here's our second string. It's going to be here's a bunch of dudes that can play in different situations. So I think we're going to see a lot of different personnel, uh, especially at uh, running back and receiver, uh, which Blake Anderson did mention uh, running back will be kind of by committee until somebody really steps up and, and shows out. So I think there's going to be a lot of positions like that where uh, maybe there's a lot of snaps with different receivers on the on the field. And uh, Kyle Suffalo had a great interview. He kind of alluded to that as well. Like, we really want to be able to shake it up on offense. So if you're a Utah State fan, don't get too used to one player or one, you know, one position because these battles are ongoing. And with the offense and defense that we're going to run, uh, you know, we've we've thrown the uh, term multiplicity around a lot. Like, just don't get used to a static lineup. That's just not what you're going to have this year. You're going to have battles all year long. No, you're right about that, Parker. And Blake Anderson saying, oh, depth charts don't matter. They they still kind of matter, right? Because if you're playing a hurry-up offense and you got your defense out there and the offense you're playing against isn't subbing, so you can't sub, like you're going to want your guys out there. You're not going to be able to just be rotating guys in, you know? And so – at the end of the day, there are going to be guys that are going to stand out from the rest, but that isn't to say that there will be lots of multiplicity and that there will be a lot of guys, and no position battles are going to be over by week one. It's going to be a season-long thing. Guys are going to get injured, and so it's oh, there's always going to be competition. That's just the nature of the beast. Um, yeah. But what we do want to discuss a little bit before we get into our interview with Kyle Cephalo, what we've seen from the receiver position, and it's a really important deal with the – Go fast, go hard offense. Obviously, it's going to be a balanced running, passing attack. At least that's what they are alluding to. That's what Coach Tucker, the offensive coordinator, has said it's going to be. But it's going to be really important to have elite wide receivers. And it sounds like I'm I'm more comfortable about the depth in the wide receiver than anywhere else on the offense, honestly. And it starts with Devin Tompkins in the slot. He has had a fantastic fall camp. Just his agility, his playmaking, his his hands. He's he's head and shoulders below everybody else in height, but in skill and ability, he's head and shoulders above everybody else. And so it starts with Devin Tompkins, but then you have his buddy Justin McGriff, who's back for year two with Utah State. And then you bring in Brandon Bowling from Arkansas State for his grad senior year, and he is a certified playmaker. And then Savon Scarver, the idea with Scarver is He's such a dynamic athlete. He's killed him on special teams, but his hands are a little bit sketchy. He struggles running routes and stuff. What we've heard, and we'll see if this comes to fruition, but he's kind of figured out a little bit better for his final year as an Aggie, and hopefully they get the ball in his hands more on the offensive side because it's hard to get the ball in his hands, but once it's there, he can do some damage. And so that's something to look out for. And then other guys to mention, Kyle Van Leeuwen, he has had a really great fall camp. He had a great spring as well. So he's somebody that maybe wasn't expected to, he might not be a starter or this and that, but he has earned, showed himself that, showed the team that, hey, like I can play and I can make an impact. So he's someone that should get minutes in the fall as well as Derek Wright in the slot. And then we're still going, we're still saying names. Jamie Nance, the transfer from Nebraska, has had a few impressive plays during fall camp, just his speed is unmatched. He might be the fastest guy on the team or on the receiving court. Like if you run everybody 100-yard dash, I would put my money on Jamie Nance. And we'll see how that translates into game play. But he's had a, a few bombs, a few connections with Bonner so far in fall camp, and he's a guy that can really play. So, yeah, that's kind of the wide receiver court. I'm impressed by them more so than I am with – any other position on the offense. Yeah, I agree. Jordan Nathan, anything on him? I haven't heard much about Jordan Nathan from fall camp, so we'd be remiss if we didn't mention anything about Jordan Nathan, yeah, so I'm glad you, you brought you him up. you got to bring him up, but I, just, I hadn't yeah, heard he's, anything. He's a staple of the team. He's a great leader, and he will have an impact Yeah. in the fall. He's somebody that he's going to make himself, his presence known. Um, part of it is 
I think everybody else, all the, there's new guys and then guys that are returning have kind of improved. And Jordan Nathan, I haven't heard much from him, but that might just be because he's already been at a great level and he might just consistently still be there. And yeah. so there hasn't been anything newsworthy. So expect Jordan Nathan to have an impact for sure in the fall. Yeah, He's one of the best leaders on the team. And so, yeah, I'm glad well, you brought him up. And he's one that, like, even if you don't see his impact on the field, he's just doing so much in the locker room. Uh, he's such a leader on this team. He's been here for a long time. Uh, he's been here for really successful seasons, and he's been here for the lowest of lows for Utah State football. Um, he's one that I think he got banged up a little bit during the spring, didn't he? He did. Okay. Yeah. So that might be a little bit too, but Great point. Um, for sure, I mean, the, the receiver depth is just so deep. Um, and there's, like I said, like there's leaders, there's athletes on there. Uh, that's a great combination. So um, I wonder also how does the uh, quarterback situation kind of bleed into the receiver situation, even probably running back as well. I mean, everything on the field revolves around the quarterback. And do you think the fact that we don't have a clear starter, do you think that affects some of these wide receivers? We talked to a lot of them, and, you know, they just mentioned, like, we're just trying to get chemistry with both. You know, at what point does that become – at what point do you get worried that we don't have a clear starter or what kind of effect do you think that has on these guys? Honestly, I still think that there's a clear starter and it's Logan Bonner. Deep down, nobody's going to say it aloud, except for me, I guess. <laughs> but I think all the receivers, they know Logan Bonner's going to be the guy. What I do know as well is there's a lot of great chemistry between Andrew Peasley and some of the receivers. So I bet deep down, some of these guys that are buddies with Peasley and have been working with them for a couple of years now, deep down probably want Peasley to be the guy, right? But Logan Bonner, it's probably ha- he probably has a superior arm. We'll see him head-to-head on Saturday again. So I'm sure that maybe there's a little bit of that concern to an extent, like because they're splitting reps and how am I going to build chemistry with the guy that's going to be the starter? But deep down, even if they won't say it, all these guys know, it's going to be Logan Bonner. So they need to focus on building their chemistry with Logan Bonner first and foremost. And this is Utah State football, right? Like crazy things happen. I don't – well, I do remember the last time a quarterback went unscathed was just two years ago. But there's always injuries at the quarterback position. And so at the same time, it's really important that they develop their chemistry with both of these guys because the chances are – even though Bonner's probably going to be the starter, so many things can happen. I wouldn't be shocked if Peasley still has a significant role this season. I'm not saying they're going to yeah. split time. That's not going to happen. But Bonner was injured. He was injured two years ago, right? Yeah. He showed he can get injured, and so Peasley might end up being the man after all. So, Yeah. I mean, at some point, uh, you got to get Bonner the snaps. you got to get that chemistry going. But at the same time, like you said, you kind of got to be ready for everything. Uh, anything and everything. So hopefully this receiver core is ready for that. Whoever be, becomes a starter, <laughs> Bonner, it's gonna it's gonna work out. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I I think the offense is gonna be fine. Um, the offense is only as good as your starting quarterback or the quarterback you have on the field, I guess. So uh, really hope that we can get that solidified. If it's gonna be Bonner, I think it's gonna be Bonner. Um, hopefully he can start taking those reps and get get to where he needs to be. Because the, the offense, you know, we can have all these receiving weapons and all these running weapons, but they are only as good as Logan Bonner. So lots going on with that. We want to share with you now our interview. I had an interview with Kyle Cephalo. I have him before fall camp. It was a phone interview. But Kyle Cephalo, he was with Blake Anderson at Arkansas State. He's like Parker mentioned earlier. He's the passing game coordinator, the wide receiver coach. And so he talks about a lot of the depth at the wide receiver position and what it's like to be under Coach Anderson's staff. And he had a lot of great things to say. So, yeah, we'll uh, dial into that now. And uh, Yeah, let's jump into that. Coach Seflo, obviously I want to talk to you about the offense and you're the passing game coordinator slash wide receivers coach. Um, What can you tell me about personnel-wise? What's, um, like, the scheme of the offense going to look like? Like, you're going to play fast, play hard, but is it going to be, like, five receivers out on the field or is it going to be Tucker mentioned it might be a, a balance run passing game attack like what should the personnel look like in that first game against Washington State yeah I think you'll see I think you'll see a really good balance and that's always that's always kind of our plan um you know we don't want to we don't want to be known as a passing team we don't want to be known as a running team we want to be known as a really good offense that utilizes its weapons and and, you know, on a week-to-week basis, based off of who we're playing, based off of, you know, things that we're doing well at that moment. And, 
uh, players that are, you know, playing well at that moment. You know, we gotta gotta definitely play to our strengths and and ultimately just give us any chance and all chances and to 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 win the game and to be successful. So we don't we try not to pigeonhole ourselves into this is you know this is what we do and and we're gonna beat our heads against the wall if it doesn't work. We're gonna we're gonna try to do whatever it takes and you're gonna see you're gonna see a bunch of wideouts out there, you're gonna see a bunch of tight ends out there, you're gonna see a bunch of running backs out there. We're gonna try to mix it up as much as we can. Um, regardless of who's out there, you're gonna see a you know a very up tempo, uh, you know, play fast, play exciting, play hard type of offense that has the ability to stretch the ball down the field vertically and can you know, run sideline to sideline, but also a team that, um, you know, can get physical, can get physical up front with the running backs and the tight ends and the offensive line. And then, you know, as a wide receivers coach, one of the things I try to, you know, pride myself on and, pride and make sure our group takes a lot of pride in this, you know, we like to block on the perimeter and our, our wideouts, we, uh, you know, we, we try to get after it on the edge and we're more than just pass catchers and route runners. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, block corners, we're gonna block linebackers, we're gonna block safeties, we're gonna we're gonna block for each other in the perimeter and then we're gonna go in and, and block down the field and hopefully hopefully I'll take a you know a big run and turn it into an explosive touchdown. So um, I think you're gonna see a lot of speed and you're gonna see a lot of physical football. So we uh, I like I like where the group's at right now. I think it's good you pointed out the physicality. I do wanna ask it I've heard Coach Anderson talk about this, but why do you think there is an inherited advantage for going fast on offense? How does that give the team a competitive advantage? Uh, you know, probably a couple things into it. Obviously, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, with with our strength program, our strength and conditioning program, and our, our strength coaches, they do such a good job of getting our guys into shape and getting them stronger and getting them faster and getting them into condition. So, you know, we want to be able to play faster, play harder, you know, longer than everybody else can. And we want to just, uh, you know, just be in great shape where we, you know, we can count on our bodies to, to play a full game and, and, to, and to play four quarters of football. And not only week one, but being able to do it, you know, week seven, week eight, week nine, uh, different things like that. So, um, and then, you know, just coming from an offensive perspective, you know, you know, defenses, you know, we're obviously trying to wear them down a little bit. Uh, like I just noted too, and also, you know, there's times where, you know, defenses have tough times getting calls in if we're playing that fast, and they have a tough time getting lined up, and and, and maybe at times it can simplify a defense's, uh, you know, approach to us because you know they know as soon as that, as soon as that ball is down, you know, we're we're getting lined up, and that next one's coming, um, you know. As, as fast as we possibly can. So I think we'd have the ability to change up speeds as well. We know when to play really, really fast. We know maybe when to maybe when to slow it down a second. So it's not just, uh, I think it's a really good balance. of you're going to get a lot of tempo and then, you know, we're going to be able to do some things where maybe we slow it down for a second to get ourselves some matchups and different things like that. Um, but we just, that's just how we do everything on offense. Everything we do is fast. We practice fast. We train fast, um, you know, and, and in order to go fast, we have to have a great, uh, you know, understanding and knowledge of what we're doing and knowledge of the playbook, you know, because the more you know and the better you know it, the faster you play. It's just just like doing anything in life. Um, you know, if you, if, you take a test in the, if you take a test in school and you're well prepared for that test, you kind of just breeze through it because you know all the answers. When you... When you don't prepare for the test and you don't study hard, that test could take a while because you're thinking on every question and you're not sure and you might not know. So, you know, playing fast is more than just the, the, the physical aspect of playing fast. It's the, it's the mental aspect. It's knowing what to do. It's just being so detailed and so focused on my job that as soon as you, you know, know the play and see the signal, you just get out there and you just do it. Um, so there's a lot that goes into playing uh, playing as fast as, as we are capable of. You know, that uh, that test analogy, that kind of hit home. Kind of felt that, though. <laughs> the lack of studying part. But <laughs> I want to ask you about some of the individuals in the wide receivers core. Obviously, a name, a big name that you, got, you brought in from Arkansas State is Brandon Bowling. He's a fifth-year guy. What is he going to bring to the roster this season? You know, I think... Um... 
you know, I've been fortunate enough, you know, and, and very rarely this has happened in college football or really maybe any level of football is, you know, I've been, I've been Brandon's position coach his entire career. Um, you know, I was his, I was his receivers coach as a redshirt freshman and now he's, you know, a, a 50 year transfer and I'm still his wide receivers coach. So we have a very good, uh, him and I have an incredible relationship. I have an incredible relationship with his family. And, you know, maybe the best compliment you can give one of your players coming from a coach is that you trust them. Um, I trust that he's going to know what to do. I trust that he's going to play hard. And I trust that he's going to make plays when the ball comes to him. Um, he's very reliable. He, he's incredibly tough. He, he catches the ball really well. He's really smart. And, you know, he's more than that. He's, he's got the ability to... You know, to split the defense, he's got—he's quick. He's got some explosion. He's got good speed. So, um, very reliable, very trustworthy, and honestly, just a really, really good football player and, and an incredible person. So, I couldn't be happier that he's here with us. Some of the other guys that um, stood out in spring camp: Devin Tompkins and Justin McGriff has the physicality. And who are some of the guys that were on the roster last year that you're hoping? Um, have made taken a leap or are going to be major parts of the offense or of the receiving core this season? Yeah, you know, Devin Tompkins, he splashed big in the spring. Um, honestly, not in the spring, in winter workouts when we started. Um, you know, he was, a, he was a kid that honestly was, uh, you know, as we were coming in in January as a new coaching staff, he really was unsure what he was going to do, whether he wanted to, you know, test the, you know, the waters of the transfer portal or this, you know, or different things. He wasn't sure. And, um, you know, that's probably the first thing I did when I got here in January was I spent, um, you know, I spent a lot, almost every day talking to him on the phone and just, just trying to tell him to give us a chance, man. Let's get to know each other. And, uh, you know, because we knew how talented he was. And once he committed to being here and he was at winter workouts, you know, his athleticism, his explosiveness, his twitch, it stood out. Um, it stood out immediately. And then we took that and we transitioned to spring ball. And uh, I, maybe I didn't realize how good of a football player he really is. And he's more than just a fast kid. He's got great body control. He's got incredible hands. Um, and he has the ability at any moment when the ball touches his hands, you know, he can take it as far as he needs to uh, and take it the distance. So really, really pleased with DT, an incredibly hard worker. You know, his best friend is Justin McGriff, and obviously Griff looks the part. And um, really have enjoyed getting a chance to, to work with him. He has a ton of ability. He's big. He's strong. He catches the ball well. Um I like his attitude every day. He came up, he worked, he wants to get better. He wants to ask questions and understand what he did wrong or understand how we could do something better, which I really, really have enjoyed coaching him. Um, and so I'm just anticipating him to continuously just work and get better and going to have a really, really good year for us. Um, another kid, Savon Scarver, um, you know, Savon's more than just a kick returner. And obviously he's really good at that. Um, but he, I think he has the ability to develop himself and turn himself into a, into a really, really good wide receiver as well. And I just, I love getting the chance to work with him and um, such a great attitude. And, um, and, 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 and as everyone knows in this league already, every time the ball touches his hand, you know, he has the ability to, uh, to change the football game. So we're continuously working with Say, and he's putting in a ton of work. Um, you know, a couple other kids that have some experience, Derek Wright and Jordan Nathan, um, Jordan got a little beat up in the spring, but he's back. He's working hard. He, he's a really good leader in the group. He speaks and people listen. So I love working with Jordan. D. Wright is a big physical wide receiver. He's incredibly sure-handed. He dominates on the perimeter when we're blocking. Um, and honestly, I could probably line him up on any spot in the field, and he would know what to do. Um, and then, you know, honestly, another kid that really stood out, you know, this spring was, you know, Kyle Van Leeuwen. Um, just every time he was out there, he just he ended up making the play, and, and he's still young and he still got some time. Um, but really, uh, really, really impressed with him. Uh, you know the, his ability to make plays. He's got some of the best ball skills that I've ever that I've ever been around. Um, but honestly, as a complete group, and I could talk about all of them. I'm just I couldn't have been happier coming out of the spring. The way this group wanted to learn. Uh, the way this group wants to work, the way they want to block and dominate on the perimeter. Uh, just I've 
you know, just really, really pleased. And I love being around them every day. Um, you know, biggest thing and more than anything and probably one of the most important things that we do as a group is continuously build our confidence. Um, the confidence that we know what to do, the confidence that we're going to go out and do it, and the confidence in yourself and also the people around you and your teammate next to you that you know that you both know what to do, you're both going to do it as hard as you can do it, um, and you're both going to get the job done. So we, we need we have depth in the room. It takes more than a couple guys to get through a season. We need to be able to trust the entire group. And I just think one of my biggest jobs as a position coach is I want to. I want to instill confidence in them. I want them. I want them to just believe in themselves when they're out there. And that comes from you know knowing what to do. And that comes from an absurd amount of hard work at practice and in the off season in the weight room when we're conditioning and different things like that. So we're uh, we're on the right track. We're we're nowhere near there yet, but we're not supposed to be there yet. We still got a lot of practice to do and a lot of opportunity to get better. Coach, I appreciate that answer. That was very descriptive. I think it's interesting you mentioned Savon Scarver, such an explosive guy. If you can help him build that confidence and be comfortable in the passing game and catching footballs, that he could be he could be trouble for opposing defenses. Um, no question. I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to ask you about Blake Anderson. I'm doing a feature on him. And we hear all this stuff of like, oh man, like he's such a great coach to work for, and the kids love him, and this and that. For you personally, why do you think that's the case? Why do you enjoy working for him? Why did you follow him out to Utah? Um, yeah, I mean, well, he, I think I was 23 or 24 when I first started working for him, and I'm 32 now, so I've been with him for, uh, I've been with him for a while. I've been with him, you know, his first year as a head coach. You know, I was one of his graduate assistants, and then he gave me, you know, my first, you know, position job, my first full-time job. Um, so he's he's incredibly transparent. He's loyal. Um, he's an awesome guy to be around. I mean, you you you, you love working for him, and, and you kind of get that you kind of get that sense. And you know, I know it is for me. He's not a guy that micromanages. He he lets us do our jobs. He trusts the people that he's hired, that we all take enough pride in it, that we're going to do our job, and he doesn't have to be telling us what to do, and he doesn't have to be peeking his head in our, in our office every day. He just he believes in the people that he's hired. And I know for me personally, I don't want to let someone down that does that. I don't want to, I don't want to ever, you know, he gives, you know, the freedom he gives us, the ability for us to work. I, I, I don't ever want to let him down. So I want to do the best job that I can. I want to work as hard as I can, um, you know, not only for myself, not only for the team, but him personally and him individually. Um, you know, the next part of that is we've been through a lot together. And I was, uh, you know, I was there, you know, pretty much right by his side the entire time his wife was sick. I was there when she was diagnosed with cancer. I was there when uh, the first time after she beat it, and then I was there the second time when it came back, and ultimately when she passed. And, and we, we've just, we've had conversations that have nothing to do with football. We've, we've spent a lot of time together. Unfortunately, I've probably seen him at his lowest. Um, and, you know, just sometimes experiences and, and things like that, they, uh, you, you don't want to go through them, but it's the people around you that help you get through them. Um, and he would ask me questions that I wouldn't have an answer to, and I would just try to sit there. And, and honestly, sometimes there was a lot of times I would just go into his office and I wouldn't have anything to tell him. I'd just go in there and sit with him. And sometimes we'd just sit there and, and you know, kind of just maybe not say too much. And sometimes we would just have a conversation that had nothing to do with football. Um, so more than him, you know, just being my boss, him and I have a probably a, a really, really special and a really important uh, personal relationship. Um, and that just goes back to what I said. It's just he's just a man that I don't want to let down. And even the other coaches, the new coaches, the ones that haven't spent much time with them, maybe they don't have those experiences that I've had with them, but they just they love the ability that they can just show up to work and they, and they can just work all day and they can enjoy it and they can spend time with each other and they have time to spend with their families and their wives and their kids. 
Um, you know, because Coach A puts a premium on that. Obviously, with the experiences he's gone through, um, you know, you're, you're never too busy for your family. You're never too busy for your kids. You're never too busy for your wife. You know, you got to have an incredible amount of work balance. Um, when you're in the office, let, you know, let's work. Let's get the job done. We all want to win. We're all competitive. I mean, Coach Anderson, there's not a more competitive person in the world than Coach Anderson. Um, and he's good at everything. So that kind of makes it really frustrating when you play golf with them or something like that because um, he usually always wins. Um, but, you know, having that work balance and having just that ability to, you know, we are football coaches and it's what we do and it's what we love to do, but there's so much more to it than that. And, uh, and I think the players, I think the players see that. I think, I, I think they see the staff and a group of coaches that genuinely enjoy being around one another. Um, and I think that that's not always the case, maybe. And I think the players pick up on things like that. And, and, and we don't want them to dread coming into the building every day. We don't want, I don't want my wideouts to be like, oh, here we go, another wideout meeting. I want them to be excited to be there because they're excited to see one another and they're excited to see me. And they're excited to get better and to learn. Um, so, just, you know, that whole part of it, uh, Coach Anderson has mastered as a head coach. Um, and, and on top of that, we've been, and he's been really successful. And he's won a lot of football games as a head coach. He's won bowl games. And, and we've produced, you know, All-Americans and NFL players and different things like that. So, you know, he's proven that his way of things, his way of doing things, you not only enjoy yourself, but you can be incredibly successful and you can be as competitive as you want to be. All right, so that's the interview with Coach Cephalo. Great stuff from him. Um, it's been a pleasure to speak with several of the new coaches on this coaching staff and some of the players. Everyone's been really honest and respectful and a pleasure to, to speak with. So, yeah, we hope that you enjoyed it. But, uh, yeah, any thoughts, Parker? Yeah, no, I, just like you said, the players and the coaches have been fantastic to talk to um, all season long. Um, or all off-season long, I guess. Um, super respectful and just really good. They're really good interviewers. They really answer questions really well. They really know what they're talking about. So um, if you are not excited about Coach Anderson um, after what Coach Cephalo said, like if you're not excited for this football season by now, um, you're not paying attention. you got to be hyped up for this. This should be really fun. I think that just about does it for the podcast. I don't have anything else, so... Um, make sure buy your tickets. There's still tickets on sale. We gotta pack the Mav. Like there's like I've said, there's no excuse not to have a sellout at least for Boise State and BYU at home. Sell those games out. You, I mean, we gotta sell out every single game. Like we gotta pack the Mav. I think, but for sure those two, um, no excuse not to sell them out. So get your tickets now. Uh, let's get ready to go. Let's have a good season. I bet Brock Miller will be at all the games. So yeah, if you Brock need Miller. any more incentive. <laughs> You can see his shiny bald head, and yeah, so yeah, shout out to Brock Miller. It's fall time, baby. Like, it's it's, it's here. It's upon it's, us. It's go time. It's go time. Like, we're, we're going. We'll be back next Thursday, and I'll probably want to do, like, 15 emergency pods in between now and then, but we'll be back Thursday. I'll hold off, and we'll be back Thursday. All right. That's our show.